But let's step back because I want the American people to kind of take this in for a second. Just imagine that here the Israelis woke up and communities were bombarded. Families were murdered. Women and children were taken hostage, dragged through the streets. The elderly were taken. All of this has happened in front of everyone, on top of thousands of rockets that hit Israel. This should be personal for every woman and man in America. Why? Because when they did this, when they did this surprise attack, when they took these hostages, when they murdered these families, they were celebrating. And what were they celebrating? They were saying death to Israel, death to America. This is not just an attack on Israel. This is an attack on America because they hate us just as much. And what we have to understand is this is the reason that we have to unite around making sure our enemies do not hurt our friends. America can never be so arrogant to think we don't need friends, just like we needed them on 9-11. That's why Ukraine needs us when Russia's doing this. That's why Israel needs us when Hamas and Iran are doing this. And I'll say this to, to Prime Minister Netanyahu, finish them finish them. Hamas did this. You know Iran's behind it. Finish them. They should have hell to pay for what they've just done. You've been listening to the words of Nikki Haley, the former U.S. ambassador to the rat's nest that calls itself the United Nations. This is the Israel Connection coming to you on JA Community Radio, being broadcast live on 88FM and streaming on the internet at j-air.com.au. My name is David Schulberg, bringing you another episode of this weekly radio program that provides analysis and insight with important interviews and discussion about Israel. Later in today's show, I'll be playing an interview with the head of an Israeli organisation called Road to Recovery that ferries Palestinians, mostly children, from West Bank and Gaza crossing points to hospitals inside Israel and back. My first guest today is a dear Israeli friend, Danny Seaman, a consummate media professional who has served the Israeli government in various roles over the past 30 years, including Director of the Government Press Office and more recently as the Deputy Director General for Information at the Israeli Ministry of Public Diplomacy and Diaspora Affairs. Danny, welcome to the show in these unfortunate circumstances. Good morning. Thank you. Well, good morning, our time. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm very grateful you've joined me today to discuss the dreadful situation that Israel finds itself in following this barbaric assault by Hamas on the Israeli people. Do you want to just give us your uh, reaction that you've been feeling, I'm sure, for, for days, express how it's been uh, getting to you? Well, it, um situation here is such that at the moment we can't dwell too much on what has happened. We obviously carry the the pain of it, but at the moment there's far more concern of what could develop. This is by no means the end. Uh, to quote Churchill, we're just at the end of the beginning. Um, we were taken by surprise, though this, these are, it's a scenario that we've long expected and long anticipated, and a scenario on different levels. There's the international level, I'll, I'll start with perhaps the broader things. The international level, the expectation of some kind of, it's um, uh, the best way to put it, um, because of the Iranian involvement, at some point there was an expectation that we would be engaged in a conflict with Iran 
through their proxies, Hezbollah and Hamas. So by no means this was not a surprise in that, just the timing was uh, one that I, I can't say a surprise. It was something that we were anticipating, but nobody could know exactly when that would happen. There seems to be a, a few things that led to the um, situation at the moment. Uh, one was uh, a belief on the part of Hamas, and this is coming from those Hamas uh, terrorists that have been apprehended and been questioned already, and they can, they they all confirm that one of the things that uh, and I'm talking about leaders, not the the the, the ones who are in the field. Um, we have apprehended. Uh, several of the, uh, of the leaders of uh, the Hamas. And they said that they felt that it, it was a good point because Israel was weak. It goes back to another aspect was they, the, the holiday. They knew that in, uh, in this 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War, they believed that once again, having a, a holiday and the Sabbath, uh, Israelis would be unprepared, which uh, obviously they were right in that. And uh, they also believe that it's a good opportunity for them to get some kind of gains. Um, I don't think they expect that as much as we didn't expect such an onslaught, they didn't expect their onslaught to succeed. They brought in a lot of troops expecting that we would be able to stop most of them, but at least they'd have some kind of success and have a few abductions that they can then level for some kind of uh, political achievement later on, release of prisoners, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it wasn't an immense victory on their part, but I think this is one of the, if, if, we, if it had been, I told you before, we're just at the end of the beginning. Had this been all that we're going to be dealing with, this would have been a, 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 the type of victory that would have been taught in schools and uh, history schools, because very much like a ferric victory of, of past. Um, they succeeded, but their victory is now the beginning of their downfall. And I'm told, talking about, just as Nikki Haley said, she didn't have to tell us this. She didn't have to tell this to the prime minister. The, pub, the people of Israel are already saying this even before all the details that came out. Today, because of the uh, social media, everything that's coming out now, and I told this to people that I've been speaking to, that what you're hearing in the media is just the, the, the top of what is really going on from people who are involved, from people who were there. We all have soldiers, we all have friends, many of us have relatives in the area. Those who were able to get out um, brought to the attention of most Israelis what we're hearing in the past uh, 48 hours. The atrocities that have happened are the, uh, at the level of uh, what we saw during the Holocaust. And this is by no means an exaggeration. It's almost one by one. Uh, to many, the, the 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 Hamas terrorists were caught up in a frenzy of blood, of pillaging, of raping, that they got diverted at some point from their main goal, which was to move forward into Israel, and got engaged in this uh, paganic celebration of blood and, and lust. And um, to, to the point that this, the hatred that spilled over into the the babies and children and even the unborn in their mother's wombs things again as we saw in the holocaust had occurred here and i'm uh, and i have no intention of of being diplomatic about uh, the terminology and, and describing the things because people have to know what has happened there to understand the response that is happening on the part of the state of israel 
So, um, and why the response is so harsh. So when they, we were able to gather ourselves together and get our, our act together and have uh, been able to prevent the onslaught and are now making the, the, um, the plans for the next middle phase because the real phase, I go back again to the Iranian issue. This is an, an assault against Israel because of Iran. The United States is not supporting Israel. And, and President Biden gave a phenomenal speech yesterday. One will go down in the annals of history. It is not only because of American support for Israel, which is very much part of it, but they understand the threat that Israel faces right now. And I think your listeners have to be clear. We are at a point that the existence of the state of Israel is very much in question at the moment. The threat posed to the state of Israel is not a bunch of bloodthirsty uh, degenerates from the Gaza Strip or even the Hezbollah. The threat at the moment is Iran, and it is an exi- existential threat. We are taking, we are, our goal first is to annihilate, totally annihilate Hamas and its supporters and make sure that they never have the opportunity again. This may also be the consequences in Lebanon, but we're not diverting our eyes from the greater threat right now, which is Iran. We also, they've been able to penetrate into the state of Israel um, and train Israeli Arabs. We're fully aware of that. Several of them were apprehended this week. Five of them were apprehended this week with plans. There was an incident a year ago that terrorists from Lebanon penetrated into the middle of Israel with support from Israeli Arabs. I'm not even talking right now at the Arabs who live in Judea and Samaria. This is Israeli citizens. Now, it doesn't even have to be a percentage. It's enough that there are several thousand of them, and we're estimating at the moment that are at least that, that at the right moment, at the right time, they will engage and they will commit atrocities as we've seen this week. So Israel is fully alert to this situation. The United States is fully alert to this situation, understanding that it is a strategic assault against the United States as well and against the Western world. So this is where we stand at the moment. There is not an Israeli who does not have a relative drafted at the moment. This is the biggest drafting that we've had of reservists since the Yom Kippur War and in the history of the state of Israel. Every one of us has a family member there. My son is serving and with the paratroopers, and they've been involved and engaged in combat along the border with Gaza. I have friends who are serving, and there's not a single one of us who, is not, who does not know or have a friend or a relative who are victims of the atrocities which occurred on this last Shabbat. So we're fully aware of the situation. Right now, there's there's a lull as we prepare for the second phase, but all eyes in the government at the moment are directed towards Iran and to not be dragged into one of their diversions and keep our eyes focused on the real threat. So you've been talking about Israel, and unfortunately this conflict is not just being fought out in, in Israel against Hamas, it's happening worldwide and I want to play a short audio grab which uh, is giving you an idea of what we are experiencing in Australia, Danny. 
Ahad Ali was one of the protest organisers. So what happened last night from a minority of attendees I think was disgusting. At the very beginning of the protest, one of the chairs of the rally had said, we ask you to be respectful, we ask you to remember that we have Jewish allies here, we have Palestinian Christians here. There are others celebrating the murder and bloodshed of Jewish children and families, celebrating it in public, in front of the cameras and on social media. There's a difference between free speech and hate speech. And this hate speech that celebrates violence shouldn't be permitted. It's already led to warnings from the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, today of an increase in racism in Australia. This has already unleashed in our Australian cities ghastly anti-Semitism. I'm smiling. I'm smiling and I'm happy. I'm elated. It's a day of courage. So, Danny, you've heard that, and uh, I've, I've listened to it a few times myself, and every time I hear it, it riles me up uh, no end. One of the things that's been really bothering me is that the pro-Palestinian voices are being given uh, an opportunity to say so much at this time when at other times they wouldn't be given the time of day. And here we have uh, the victims uh, in Israel of course, they're being being spoken to, but uh, in the in the sense of providing balance, the media is uh, is going to all these pro-Palestinian voices and giving them an opportunity to spew out uh, their uh, their false narratives. There's nothing new about that. I don't get riled up by it. But you heard how joyous and victorious they sound and how happy they are. They said it. Listen to them. Don't ignore them. Don't brush it off. I just want to add on that sense that they did they had the very same celebrations as they paraded uh, 85-year-old Holocaust survivors, uh, three-year-old children, the ones that they didn't behead in murder, and uh, young women that they raped, and uh, other um, people from all around the world. There are seven different countries that, uh, that citizens of theirs were abducted at this uh, rave event that they had in the forest. Um, they were celebrating in the streets of Gaza the, the same day they were assaulting these uh, hostages. Uh, they were in a joyous frenzy, just like uh, you hear these people there. Um, just to remind your um, fellow citizens, I'm very sarcastic with the term of fellow citizens. They are not your citizens. They are invaders, and we'll touch upon that in a moment. But these fellow citizens, as they call themselves, of yours, are celebrating. Um, they should look at their their uh, compatriots from their religion of death and see how much they're celebrating at the moment. There are no uh, joyous parades in uh, the streets of Gaza at the moment, but bloodshed and tears. And it will continue to be so because we intend to annihilate anybody who is a member of Hamas or who supports the Hamas. And just to bring to the people's here attention something that has not been touched upon, and you can see it in the videos. By the way, Israel is not making up any of this stuff, and it's not the journalists that arrived there. The Hamas were proud, and Muslims were proud enough, and Arabs were proud enough to share these videos that these uh, Hamas members, and this is the point I wanted to make, beyond the Hamas uh, terrorists or militants or however the hell they want to call them, 
Behind them came a strew of Gazan civilians who came in to pillage and uh, steal and uh, take from the, the, the places that were taken over by Hamas. In one of the videos, a very famous video that people may have seen already, there's an incident in which they are beheading a Thai worker, a, a worker from Thailand who works in one of the kibbutzim, an agriculture um, community. And he stumbled upon uh, these people rampaging the house. And these are obviously not uh, armed uh, Hamas terrorists. That's why they had to kill him uh, with a wrench that they found there. And uh, they were yelling, uh, Allah Akbar, and uh, all the other uh, cheers that Muslims uh, use in order to, to uh, excite themselves. So these are these supposedly innocent civilians that uh, if they didn't penetrate in Israel, didn't take that chance, they then, when they, brought, when they paraded in the uh, dozens of uh, hostages, they participated in the frenzy of beating, spitting, assaulting, and raping uh, these members. By the way, the children that were beheaded were also raped before, and we're talking about children one, two, three, four years old, they rape these children before beheading them in front of the parents. And people have to understand all of this because anything that happens to the Jews then happens to the rest of the world. What is happening here is a message to you. You can try to be nice about it. You can try to say that it's a small minority. Unfortunately, in Islamic society, the small minority is the one that dictates to the rest of them. When we left Gaza over 15 years ago, we turned it over to the PLO who had a peace treaty and a peace agreement with Israel. Within two years, they were put aside. And with two years, an extreme Islamic regime was put in there. Christians were persecuted, gays were murdered, women were persecuted and put in their place as we see in the Islamic uh, regime of uh, Iran. And so these extremists, as they call it, are the ones who set the tone. And anything, again, anything that happens in Israel will happen in your societies. There's a very small minority of them in the Arab world, but yet they're the ones who dictate what happens to the others. And this violence that you see and the celebrations that you see now will happen in your streets if it is not put a stop to it now. And this is where the Western leaders understand the situation that Israel is in. We had our people who are also believe that Jews and Arabs refuse to be enemies. We have those who believe in peace now. We have those who, who just a, a few days before in one of the kibbutzim that you had the most people murdered in, they had an, a, an event commemorating the 50th anniversary, and they had that the victims of violence from both sides sitting together. It's, it's a nice thought. These are nice things. But you have to understand who you're dealing with. And if you have to uphold and enforce our Western values, if you don't do that, your families will be the victims that you're seeing right now. There is no difference than from the Nazi regime to the Iranian regime. These may have been Europeans. These may be from the, the Middle East. But, the, but the, the goals, the ideas are very much the same. And the behavior is absolutely the same. So at this moment, I go back to saying what I said initially. Yes, we're, we're carrying the pain, but we understand that the fight is not over. We still have a lot ahead of us. And the rest of the world 
If the media wants to continue with this, oh, they have to be fair and give everybody a voice and you have to understand it and it's a democracy, fine, go ahead and do that. But understand, there were people here who believed the same thing in Israel. And the ones, by the way, the kibbutzim are very left-wing, very liberal, very uphold, very woke. And unfortunately, they paid a very severe price. And I'm not saying this, and I'm not gloating in this in any way. I'm bringing this to the attention of people that said that your good intentions, if they're not backed up by strength, will go nowhere. Will go absolutely nowhere. Nobody came into the kibbutzim around the Gaza Strip asking them, do you support the government of Israel or not? Are you woke or not? Are you liberal or not? Are you right-wing or left-wing? Are you orthodox or not? Are you Jewish or not? Are you Israeli or not? They murdered, they butchered, they beheaded, they raped, and they burned the bodies. These kids attending, and kids because they're 20, 30 years old, to me, they're kids. They were celebrating. There were people from all over the world. They rounded them up. They brought them to a pit hole. They shot them. This is, this is describing a situation that is similar to Babi Yar in the Holocaust. But this is not the Holocaust. This is happening today. They shot them through grenades into the pit and then set them on fire. One of the reasons there's so many missing right now. And just yesterday, the IDF asked for anybody to volunteer, to have experience with DNA discovery because there have been so many, the bodies have been so violated that they need to only, the only way that they can find out who these people are is through their DNA tests. So understand the horrors here are not to give sympathy to Israel, but to let you understand two things. First, what we're going to be doing and why. And it's not a question of defeating Hamas. It's a question of our survival at the moment. This country, the state of Israel was not created in order for things that happened in the Holocaust to repeat themselves. Our government failed. Our, it's not our government. It's our country failed in its first objective and first responsibility, the defense of the Jewish people in the state of Israel. Their second responsibility is in an annihilating any threat that this country faces. So they are going to step up for the second responsibility, having failed in the first one. And the second thing is that you understand not only why Israel is doing what it is doing, but also be prepared and understand who you are facing. And all I can do is tell you, you can try to understand it, you can try to ignore it. But if you ignore it, at some point, you will understand just like how many Israelis refuse to understand who we were dealing with here. I want to ask you, Denny, the reaction of the Palestinian Authority, if Israel is going to eliminate uh, Hamas, uh, I would imagine that uh, the PA will be uh, rubbing their hands in glee because there'll be a vacuum created by the elimination of Hamas and uh, who is there to step into that vacuum except for the PA? There are other opportunities and other options. Uh, at the moment, we're not looking at how to resolve, um, how to bring about a resolution in the future, but how to end the situation we, as we have at the moment. Whether or not we have uh, ground troops uh, move in, it's hard to say at the moment. We will eventually have to do that, but at the moment we have to reduce the threat coming from there while keeping our eyes on Iran, especially through uh, any attempts through Syria and uh, South Lebanon as they've been attempting at the moment. Um, there, there are, the PA, is dead basically. Hamas over the past year with the support of Iran have taken over in many of the towns and villages which necessitated Israeli involvement. There's been a rise 
in attacks against Israelis throughout Judea and Samaria. They've been firing missiles from Judea, from the Sumerian mountains into Israeli towns along the border. There's not much uh, reported, but we in Israel, there were at least three such attempts while they were testing missiles that have been smuggled in. Um, we know that the weapons, uh, over 80 billion dollars in weapons were uh, left by the United States in Afghanistan when they uh, escaped from there uh, over a year ago. Many of these weapons have found their way in, and we've already apprehended um, such weapons, were smuggled in. Some of these smuggled in, and when people say, well, you have the border, etc., yes, but we also have, for example, a peace treaty with Jordan, and we have relations with Jordan, and some of their members of parliament have diplomatic immunity, and they abuse such immunity in order to smuggle weapons into the terrorists in Judea and Samaria. One of them was apprehended, and who knows how many we have not, and as we can see with the situation in Gaza, we do not know everything, as people expect us to. So there are things happening, and there are other people uh, involved in that, and they want to topple the PLO themselves, first off, because of the corruption that many of the, the Arabs feel, uh, that the PLO is absolutely corrupt. Uh, just to remind you that the, the Arabs in Judea and Samaria and the Gaza Strip have received more money over the years, especially since the Oslo, in the 30 years since the Oslo process, more money than the Allies spent in the Marshall Plan in Europe to, to uh, rebuild Europe after World War II. And I'm talking four times as much. And you don't see the development in Judea and Samaria and the Arab towns, not because of Israel, and in Gaza, not because of Israel, but because this weapon, the, the money is diverted to weapons, and second, to their own pockets. They're multimillionaires, all these people. The poor Palestinians that all these uh, left-wingers want to tell us about, please tell us about the, the, the billions of dollars that some of them have. Where is that all coming from? From your own pockets, from your taxpayer do dollars and and uh, money, euros, etc. So the PA has failed to control there. They've only been able to maintain their control uh, in Judea and Samaria because of Israel's involvement. And uh, they haven't had elections there in over eight years now because they know that they will lose in every one of the elections for student bodies and universities in Judea and Samaria and the Arab universities. Uh, Hamas has won overwhelmingly. I doubt that it'll happen from now on because they understand the damage that uh, Hamas has caused to their cause. Um, but Israel cannot rely on the PA. Um, there'll have to be some other arrangement. Um, who knows if they continue with their violence against Israel, there may be uh, just like in, in uh, war torn areas such as uh, Syria or Iraq, um, there may be flus of refugees on boats to Europe. It could happen here as well. Well, Danny, I, uh, I, I don't know uh, what else to say at the moment. We could go on much further, but I have an interview that I'm going to play shortly, which I think is going to bring tears to uh, people's eyes. So we uh, need to, to stop so I can have the time to play that. No doubt we'll be uh, in touch again as we have over over the last few years. And I only wish uh, you and everybody else in Israel the uh, the strength of of will to uh, to keep up the battle, which I don't think you need. Uh, my well wishes. Sorry, we you, you you'll be able to manage it uh, on your own without doubt. We're here in high spirits, and uh, we know the, the what we have to do. Uh, our soldiers are committed. The state of Israel is committed. We are united. 
and we're strong. Nobody should doubt that. And we know that we have God on our side. Thank you very much again, Danny. All the very best. Thank you. So I was just talking to Danny Seaman from Israel, who's a passionate Israeli, telling us what he thinks about the situation in Israel following the depravities that have been inflicted on Israelis by Hamas. I was preempting that my next guest is uh, actually Yael Noy, who leads the organization Road to Recovery, an Israeli group established in 2010 that ferries Palestinians, mostly children from West Bank and Gaza crossing points to hospitals inside Israel and back. Of course, they're not doing that at the moment. They facilitate daily meetings of people from both sides of the border, despite the bloody and ongoing conflict that simmers in Israel-Palestine every single day. I'd like to welcome Yael Noy, who leads the organisation Road to Recovery, the Israeli group established back in 2010 that has been taking Palestinians, mostly children, from West Bank and Gaza crossing points to hospitals inside Israel and back. And accompanying us today is Rafi Munri from 3ZZZ Radio and who conducts the Hebrew program there. And he's here in case uh, we reach any stumbling blocks when Yale's speaking because she's not necessarily a uh, 100% uh, fluent English speaker, are you, Yael? No, I'm okay with English speakers. I cannot, I think I'm not, no, it's very hard in, in even in Hebrew, I don't have words. The morning is the, I think it's the difficult time in the day when you wake up and they feel that it's not a dream. We are in a new way, a new new word you know it's so terrible now in israel and in the morning it's i think it's the worst because i just woke up and every day i think maybe in the morning it will be better and it's worse so have you got um personal stories and connections and and losses that All you the could, time you, the people a lot, that... a lot a lot of stories a lot of stories in israel and and it's the first time it's so difficult for me to call my friends in Gaza. You know, I have a sarot, you know, a lot, a lot of friends in Gaza Strip. They are writing to me and I feel myself really, really hard for me to, to write them back today and to talk to them. I just, I just ask that they're okay. But, you know, now in the morning, maybe I don't know what's going on there, but... It seems that it's very, very hard to keep on uh, now when my family is... Yesterday, I was I went to see my parents. My parents live in a kibbutz, really, really five kilometers from Gaza. It's, uh, the kibbutz is gone, almost gone. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have words because just every hour that is going, we, we just understand what happens there. So your it's, parents, your parents uh, are safe, uh, though, in the kibbutz where they were. Now, now they are safe. They took them to the middle of Israel to a to a hotel. You know, all the kibbutz. They took all of the people in the kibbutz. They put them away. There are no one in the kibbutz now. Just people who must be in the refet. Don't know how you say now refet in refet the animals the cows you know they have cows oh, the cow for shit. milk all of all of the all of the foreigners that work there from Thailand and Nepal 
were killed when in the attack. So it's terrible. But uh, I will try to help you. You know, we, we don't have nothing to do now. Just pray. Well, I'm... Uh... I want to talk to your organization because you're uh, right on the forefront here of of working together with Israelis and, and Palestinians. And, of course, uh, with what has just been going on with Gaza, your, your efforts are thwarted. Um, I imagine that anything that you have been doing can't be conducted in, in a war situation. And this must have happened uh, in previous times, too, when there's been conflict uh, between uh, Israel and Gaza. Yes, till till these days we never stopped. You know, all of the ever, 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 we ever, we never since since we the organization began. All the time we're connected and keep on taking people from Gaza. But these days, from three three last days, there is no border between Israel and Gaza anymore. There is no the checkpoint was gone in the first half hour of this war the checkpoint was gone there is now we cannot even talk with them you know because there is nothing no coordinator with gaza with the best bank we keep on doing what we're doing we keep on talking we keep on taking them yesterday i took patients from rambam hospital in haifa back to jenin but in gaza now at this time we cannot do nothing and i even cannot think what will be because it's like armageddon you know nothing i cannot speak now about gaza i can tell you what we had with them before yesterday one member of another humanitarian group in israel called me and say el i know you're very busy i want to ask you for something i said draw Try me, yes, I can help. And he said, do you know someone in Gaza that can help me? A, f- a daughter of my friend is there now. She kidnapped, up and I need to talk with someone from a humanitarian organization in Gaza. Can you give me a phone? So I gave him the phone of our coordinator in Gaza, Muhammad Jojo. He He's in an uh, organization. The name is... Uh, Basmat al-Amal in Arabic, it's like smile of hope. They help the cancer patient in Gaza. So I gave him Muhammad's phone and he called him and he asked him, Muhammad, can you help us? Our daughter is kidnapped now in Gaza. And Muhammad told him, I'm sorry, I cannot help you. They are so afraid from the Hamas. He cannot help them now. So Drol called me back and he said, yeah, thank you, but he can't help me. So even my colleagues in Aza now, they're afraid to talk to me because they're afraid from the Hamas, but they cannot help us. And, and all the time I'm just thinking, how can I bring the kidnap back? I, I know people in Gaza, maybe they can help us to bring them back. But Also, I called yesterday one of my best friends. Um, He's from the West Bank. He's very famous in the Palestinian side. Uh, the name is, I'm, I'm sure you heard about him. The name is uh, Hussein Dawabshe. Before uh, seven years, uh, uh, Israel terrorist just uh, burned his their house and all the family was burned in a village named Duma. 
You heard yeah. about it? Oh, yes, yes. So I called Hussein yesterday night. He's a friend because we took them a lot, a lot, a lot to the hospital while, while it happened. So he's a best friend of mine. And I told him, Hussein, maybe you can talk now in the, 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 in all of the world. Tell them, tell them you, you, what happened to you is the worst. Maybe now Hamas will hear you and bring them back. And he told me, Yael, it's too dangerous for me to talk now. If I will talk now with the Hamas in the TV and they will kill me. So in normal times, do you want to explain, please, for um, our listeners, because we um, are given the impression that uh, Gaza is under total blockade that uh, Israel d- benefits the people of uh, Gaza every now and again by allowing truckloads of, of goods to come please, in please, and out. Please, just slowly, I cannot understand what you're saying. Just talk slowly, please. I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. <laughs> the, impression is, the impression is made on uh, many people that uh, the borders are sealed in, uh, in Gaza, between Israel and Gaza. Nothing goes in and nothing goes out. It's like a... They refer yes. to Gaza in many uh, in many cases as being like an open air prison. So, do you want to yes. explain? You have uh, coordinators in uh, Gaza who work together with you, and and by telephone you make the arrangements. Yes, yes, all the time. They yes. come to the checkpoints, and then and then you have volunteers who uh, take yes. them to, the volunteers uh, weigh them in the way to wait. Yeah. We we're all the time coordinate with the Gaza the the Gaza's uh, organization. They give us the list of the patients every day and every evening before, and and we're all the time with them on the phone. And they tell us where are the patients and when they are out. And every time when the patient in the Israeli side of the checkpoint, we send our volunteer and they took them to hospitals all over the country. That's that how we work years years years. And we're in touch not all, not just with the organization, also with the patient. You know, the patients are coming from all over Gaza Strip. So I have friends all over from Rafiah, from Jibalia, from Bet Hanun, from you just name it. And I know them for years. For years, I'm a friend with them since they were little kids and now they are adults. And so do you find, you find that the, by doing this work uh, on behalf of um, Palestinians that they uh, appreciate this very much and that improves the relationships you have uh, with with the people who get your assistance. But does your, does your help create a wider benefit, do you think? Do you think uh, besides the people who you help directly, do you think the message gets across to others about the uh, help that you provide uh, towards Palestinians? I'm sure I'm sure about it because uh, not now, not in this point. I don't know what's going on in Gaza, and in, but I'm I'm keep on getting in the messenger calls from friends in Gaza. They write to me, and I know. But I, I think the terror that was in Israel it's also in Gaza from the Hamas. They are afraid to talk to us now. In this point, I think it's too dangerous for them to talk to me and to talk about the friends because. If they will be in touch with me and talk good of us, I think it's too dangerous for them now. I think so. I don't know what's going on there. And also for me now, when my family and my kibbutz is such, that's big here. You know, it's a horror. You know, it's, 
you cannot imagine what's going on there. You know, a lot, a lot of my volunteers in the organization are for them. They are missing now. They are killed. The, their children is killed. You know, I, I don't know yet the names, but a lot of my, my volunteers didn't, didn't answer for my calls yet. So I know they're all, maybe they're kidnapped. Maybe they're dead. Some of them I know surely. What is the name of your kibbutz? My kibbutz is Alumim. Alumim, it's really, it's near Nachal Ozen Be'eri. In Be'eri, there was a Holocaust. Be'eri. Mary, half of the kibbutz is now in, on the ground. And Alumim, it was like somebody, it was a miracle, but, but the kibbutz is gone. But, but people and one of the soldiers, we, we don't know yet, you know. There's a lot, a lot of missing people now. We don't know what's going on. I'm speaking with uh, Yael Noy, who leads the organization Road to Recovery, an Israeli group that ferries Palestinians, mostly children, from the West Bank and Gaza crossing points to hospitals inside Israel and back. We return now to the second part of my interview with Yael Noy. When, when you were operating normally, did you get full cooperation from, from Hamas? Were they giving... No, we, we, well, no never, never. We, we, twice a year, we take a, a group of kids from Gaza to a week of a holiday in Israel, in a in a village, in the in the north of Israel, and the first time we did it, it was like half a year to organization everything, and and, and in the day that they need to go, the Hamas said, you cannot take them. You can take people from Gaza to a health treatment, but not for fun. And when we got the message from the Hamas, the bus was on the way to the village. So we knew that the Hamas know about us and the Hamas know that we know about them. But we didn't talk about it. We didn't do nothing. And and the kids came. And from them, we have like a, like a secret between us and the, we're, we're not talking about them. They know that we take the patient to a week in Israel, but but they don't agree. So we never take pictures. We never talk about it. We never do it public because we know when they will go back, it will, it's dangerous for them. But we have like an agreement of silence, but we never talk with them. We never, once uh, we send a, we gave a like, Little presents from from the hospital in in Gaza, the kids' hospital, and then then they call us and they say, please, please, don't talk about it because it's too dangerous. Also for the organization that work with us, we we're doing everything, but never take pictures, never talk about it because it's really, really dangerous for them. Well, that's one of the reasons I want to. Uh do this interview with you, Yael, because this is something we should be talking about that people need to know who have got such uh, negative uh, attitudes about Israel, that Israel doesn't care at all about the Palestinians and, and treats them miserably uh, ever ever since the foundation of the state. So that's what I'm uh, one of the primary aims of uh, speaking. But also, we, you need to be very, very... Uh, you no, know, all the time I... I I'm, I'm used to be very, very, uh, just to go on the tones with the kids from Gaza because I'm afraid that something that I'm saying will make them terrible or 
know, it's dangerous for them that, that someone will know that Israeli people help them. So I understand that uh, when Israeli authorities let Palestinians come into Israel for treatment, that they have restrictions that only um, certain Palestinians are allowed, like uh, men between certain ages are not permitted yeah. to, uh, to come into Israel. Mm-hmm. This, you see this as being a, a necessary measure to protect Israel? Yeah, yeah, but also when kids go out, sometimes it's very, very hard to find a escort that will take them because the father cannot come in. The mother sometimes is young. Sometimes the kids come with their grandma or from with one neighbor because the Shabak, the Israeli Shabak, are really, really ch- searching that it will be safe, the, the, the men or the women that come with them. You know, it's really, really, but we, we keep on doing it. All the time, even in the worst war that was between us, the, the head of the of Erez checkpoint, Erez checkpoint is the checkpoint that where the, they from go from Gaza. So this man is amazing man. And even every time we need help to take people, humanitarian cases to Israel, he opened the border for them. After the Shabak and the, the soldiers check it's okay, he always helps us to take them out. And, and now after this this days, this man is, you know, it was like the he he gave all his heart to help them. Have there been uh, incidents of where uh, people have, have been brought in and there has been uh, a problem where there's been some trouble? I never, I never met him. All the years I'm in the organization, never happened that we took someone and he made an attack in Israel. It was once in all of the time that I remember, but when we take a group of children to a holiday, to a fun in the north, and in the way back, when we stop, just say, you know, we stop in the way to to drink, to eat, and one father left and we didn't find him he 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 left the group and he, he just ne'elam, you know he disappeared and, yeah he disappeared and uh, then it was really problem for us we immediately called the police and everything and they they went back to gaza and after i think half a year he just went to work to for his family and then he come back but he, de- he never did an attack or something in israel just look to look for work Never, never, ever one of our uh, patients or the escort of the patient made something bad in Israel. Never. Is it true that the daughter of Ismail Haniye is in uh, in a hospital in Israel? It's, I don't think it's his daughter, maybe his grand, granddaughter, a child from his family. We took her a few times, yes. it's, it's yeah. And she's not back yet? Ah, and now? Now? Are you asking about now? Yes. Or, but, or I don't know. I never heard it. But I know this girl. I know we took her before. I don't know now. I'm sorry. I, I didn't hear about it in these days. One, one, one thing is uh, is interesting is that uh, Ismail Honey has got three sisters who live in Israel as Israeli citizens. 
I don't know. I don't know him. I'm, you know, all, I, I don't know them. I, I, I know the little people and I never in touch with even our organization, never, never in touch with not the Israeli government, government, not the, we're, we're doing the, we're doing our job day after day, every day, even now, now while we're talking, the, the patient going from the West Bank to the hospitals and our volunteer, not all of the volunteer want to go and drive now. It's really, really hard for a lot of them, but I have enough volunteers that even now, before we even, uh, you know, we know what's happening, we keep on doing it. And you do it yourself. You're not, uh, you're not just an organizer, but you're, you're a volunteer yourself. You do the driving yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Who pays for this treatment? Is this a donation from the hospital? No, no, no. The, the Palestinian authorities, they pay for the treatment. What, from- the patient can go come to Israel just after they have the coverage from the Palestinian side that pay for the treatment and from after the Israeli Shabak and how you call it, have the permits that they are safe and they can get into Israel. When you say Palestinian Authority, what, what about people from Gaza? Do they pay for them as well? Also, yeah, yeah, sure. One one last thing I wanted to ask you was, given what's been happening and what is happening as we speak, do you feel as though your attitudes towards the Palestinian side is affected in any way? Do you feel uh, less responsive or do you think this is simply a question of the Hamas leadership that the people themselves are uh, are still on 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 your side i don't know i don't know but it's it's depend in what time of the day you ask me you know some i i feel like like sometimes i'm angry i'm disappeared i'm i'm afraid but then when i just breathe a little bit and i remember all of us are humans that wants to live and i'm, I'm trying not to to change myself in this story and to keep on with empathic and and good and and to to be good, you know, it's like one minute and we can be just the same like the Hamas to say just take off Aza, kill everyone, just that the Aza will disappear. It, it can take one minute to happen for all of us when we see such a terrible thing. And I'm, you know, my best friend, my neighbor. My best best friend, her son now is in Gaza, and she's just he's sitting at home and just crying, crying. He's a soldier, and he called us like one few hours and said, "I'm still okay," but all, a lot, a lot of his friends is killed, and we we don't know. You know, it's thousands, thousands of people there. Soldier, all of my 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 son is 17, so he's not in the army yet. But my sister's son, my neighbor's son, all of my friends' son, they are there now. And now, while we're talking, there's a lot of a. Uh, to see. Bombardment. Now, I, I live in the far north, and, and yesterday there were bombs here because from the Hezbollah, you know, we're, we're, no one is safe now. So I'm, I'm really, really trying that this won't affect me, but I will be liar if I said that. And yes, everything is, it's, I think it's something will, will change. I don't know yet what. When I, when I invited you to speak with me, uh, you mentioned that you had somebody else who was in Gaza 
who was a better English speaker. Were you lining me up to speak with somebody who was somebody living in Gaza who is a Palestinian or or one of your uh, workers? No, I talked I talked about one of my volunteers from Barry. She kidding up. She's now in Gaza. She's not living there. We have few volunteers that are missing and we think they are kidding up. And the, this woman, Vivian, she's an English speaker, but they kidding up her. Shabbat morning, and we don't know yet what's going on with her. Mm, so she's one of your volunteers. Yeah, we have few volunteers that maybe that they, we have few volunteers that I know that were killed, few that maybe kidnapped, and few that we didn't hear from them yet. Absolutely. And a lot of our volunteers, they, their family is killed, their sons, their daughters, their. We have a lot of volunteers from the kibbutzim there because they they are live very very near, so they help the 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 members from Gaza, and now they are missing. Well, I, look, I really appreciate so much, Yael, that you've spoken to us. It's early in the morning in Israel, and Israel's in for another torrid day dealing with the uh, the events that are taking place. I only can wish you the, the best and hope uh, that your you and your friends and, and volunteers are as safe as they possibly can be given the circumstances that uh, they're they're in and I would be I would be um, just tell them tell them we need help now I really really I feel we need help so I don't know what help we need but well you take You take um, financial donations on your website, don't you? Yeah, yeah, we need now a lot of donations because I don't know what will happen. You know, I'm afraid. We don't get just all of our, the, the most thing we need is I don't take salary. You know, I'm working and I don't take salary. We have just really little bit for salaries, but all the donations is to... For our volunteers, just for the gas, you know, we're doing millions of kilometers a year. But now, I don't know what will happen, but I cannot think about it. But if someone hears us in Australia, but you have our uh, yeah, put our team and out. everything, and if you can help us, it would be great. I don't know. Because not, not only do you support people by bringing them into hospitals, you also... devote a percentage of your budget to uh, providing medical assistance, don't you? Yeah, yeah. People can help in, in a number of different ways. I really want to so thank you. Uh, Todaraba, and uh, I want to thank you and also Rafi for, for pitching in today, um, speaking with you. Thank you very much indeed and for getting the message out to us here in Australia. Thank you, and uh, I hope for a good day. Well, I've been speaking with Yael Noy, who heads up the Israeli organization Road to Recovery. To close my program today, I'm going to play a speech delivered by Israel's President Isaac Herzog. She will be followed by a very moving rendition of Hatikva, the Israeli national anthem from the 68th celebration of Israel's Independence Day in 2016. Not since the Holocaust. Have so many Jews been killed on one day? And not since the Holocaust have we witnessed scenes of Jewish women and children, grandparents, even Holocaust survivors, being herded into trucks and taken into captivity. 
Hamas has imported, adopted, and replicated the savagery of ISIS, entering civilian homes on holy day and murdering in cold blood whole families, young and old, violating and burning bodies, beating and torturing their innocent victims, Jews and Muslims and other faiths. The brutality, the inhumanity, the barbarity of monsters, not humans, monsters, over the past days, I have spoken with leaders from around the world who expressed their deep outrage at the attack, including Vice President Harris, Secretary of State Blinken, the heads of the EU, the UN, NATO, and other closer to home, like my friend President of the United Arab Emirates, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed. I call on all nations around the world, first, most importantly, make clear and loud condemnation of Hamas's actions. Just as you have condemned the abhorrent and unspeakable actions of ISIS, because today they are one and the same. Second, those nations that have yet to do so, designate Hamas in its entirety as a terrorist body. Third, make clear that Hamas carries full responsibility and accountability for the well-being of the hostages it has taken and demand their immediate return to Israel. And fourth, support Israel in words and in deeds. Israel, for its part, will continue to defend itself. The government of Israel, Prime Minister Netanyahu, the IDF and all of the Israeli security agencies have my full support we will act with full force and unwavering commitment to eliminate this threat to our people. We will pursue all those who perpetrate and support such grievous acts against us. I know the Israeli spirit will overcome. Until next week, it's goodbye from the Israel Connection.